Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the 12-6 Podcast. It's your boy, Mario. I'm obviously with my co-host, Ryan, and we got a guest today. We got Mr. Ben Ariano. What is up, Ben? Hello, guys. I'm glad to be back. It's been a while. Glad to see the 12-6 Podcast is doing good things, and happy to be back here for uh, one of the most exciting weeks in all of sports. Man, I'm pumped, not just because I'm a Niners fan, and we'll get into that later, but just because you know your stuff. Ryan's got some notes. He came in with a little red paper, so he's got a lot of stuff on it. We're ready to go, man. So first things first, we're going to talk about what we have, what happened this past weekend. So let's get into Sunday's action. Ben, I wanted to talk to you about this really quick. The Sunday night game was the Chargers and the Raiders. If both teams tied, they would have both gotten in. What were your thoughts on that? Just, just really quickly. So, I mean, it was just a it's, – it's crazy because it's like – it's what the NFL always has, right? There's always the crazy scenario always happens in the NFL, right? That cliche, any given Sunday, but it's true. So what was so fun to me was just the buildup. So the Jags get an early lead on the Colts and you're like, all right, the Colts will come back. They'll come back. And then they don't. And the Jaguars play probably their best game of the year and they knock off the Colts. So you're like, okay, the hard part is over. But then you go over and you see all oh, the Steelers, they're in overtime. They give the ball back to Tyler Huntley. And then they get a stop, and then they make their field goal. So now you have this four-hour window where social media is just going nuts. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? Are they just going to kneel it out? And I was away. I was um, coaching a, a basketball team, so I didn't actually see the first half of the game. But I checked my phone, and it was 10 nothing Raiders pretty early on. So I'm like, okay, these teams are going to go – are going to play this out. Fine. And so then the Raiders go up 15 late. And the Chargers get the two-pointer, and then they get the extra point, so it's tied. So you're like, all right, what happens now? Al Michaels and Chris Collins, when they're talking about it, you're like, I was to myself, I was saying, it makes sense to tie. Why? Because you have to play this extra period now, and you're most likely going to – one of these two teams is going to have to play the early game on Saturday, which ended up being true. And so they keep going back and forth. And then the final minute happens, and that was the most bizarre final minute I've ever seen. And I'm not being, like, over-exaggerated. Oh, you're not, man. That was <laughs> like, crazy. So Staley calls the timeout. The Raiders are running down the clock, and Staley calls timeout. Because I get it. It's a tough situation. Like, the image I conjured up in my head was, like, two guys shaking hands, but in their other hand, they're holding a gun to each other. <laughs> so Chargers call this timeout because they want to get the right team, uh, right personnel in for the run, but then Jacobs gets a – it's a seven or eight yard gain. And I'm thinking, okay, that's it. Like we're just going to run the clock down and that everything's standing around. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is actually going to happen. This once in a lifetime scenario is going to happen. And then I, they flash to Derek Carr and he's standing next to the referee and he calls the timeout with two seconds. And I'm like, what are they doing? And then so obviously Carlson makes it Twitter's going nuts. And they interview Carr and he said, yeah, the, the them calling a timeout really changed our decision. And Rich Passaccia, their head, interim head coach, also said, yeah, we were thinking about tying it before they called the timeout, which, okay, I understand. But to me, that is stupid because you're not trying to like – this isn't like some collusion where we're all going to hug and be like, yeah, we made the playoffs. I get it's a division rival. But as soon as you get the first down, if I'm the head coach, I'm saying, all right, screw you guys. We're done. This game's over. Like, I just think it would have been an all-time blunder It had the Chargers found a way to block that field goal and returned it back. So it was just an incredible – it was just so fun. And it was funny. And I thought, man, if the Chargers would have got that, it would have been great. But obviously they're, they're home and yeah, the tie never happened. So what was up What was up with the timeout? Like why did they why, – why would they have thought to call that? Because that's what I'm still like puzzled in my head there. 
No, I was like before the podcast. We were talking briefly before the podcast, and I'm old nowadays. I fall asleep. Super, <laughs> I fall asleep really early, so I I really came to speak on twenty four year old uh, yeah, teacher over here. Twenty three year old. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I missed the complete ending. I missed the timeout. I saw some stuff on Twitter afterwards and everything, but like explain to me. This, so, I don't even know what happened. Yeah, so it's it's third and six, and the clock's running. Again, the image I conjured up is. Two men shaking hand, hands, but they have a gun to each other. So I get Staley's got to make sure he's got the right people out there because there isn't this verbal agreement that they're just going to stop. Yeah. So he's just doing his due diligence. So why the Raiders, like, take that personally and are like, no, we're going to send you home now is ridiculous. Yeah. I get you play to win, but again, and, and they, the field goal was good, so fine. There, no one's going to talk about it after next, this coming week of games. But I just – I think nothing good could have happened by snapping that ball and kicking a field goal. Yeah. You're only putting yourself in harm's way. And if you take that time out, fine, you still have to punt it. But then if you punt it, they have to go probably 55 yards with 20 seconds left and no timeouts. So I thought the Raiders were in a good situation. And then when Jacobs got the first down, I, like not, as long as you don't snap the ball again, you don't get – you're not going to lose. But they went for the field. And then they go for the field. Yeah. So I understand why the Chargers called the timeout, and we'll never know. But if the Raiders seriously are like, well, that made us mad. I just that's like everything wrong with like masculinity right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Just honestly, just a crazy like, you know, situation. I feel like, bro. I don't know the last time I've seen it. I don't know the last mm-hmm. time you've seen it either. Just a crazy, crazy situation. I was gonna say like going into the game, right? You knew if they tied, they both would make the playoffs, yeah. right? And that's why we all said so, the Neil game or whatever the right, hell it was, right? right? Yeah. And the like the, the age old thing that people say about sports is like, is it fixed? Mm-hmm. Is sports sometimes fixed, right? And I was thinking, like, the only way that they both make the playoffs is if it ends in a tie. Well, the next day, I saw that it went into overtime, <laughs> right? <laughs> to, the last, it was to the last second. Right. Okay, so what are the chances? What is the percent that an NFL game goes into overtime? It's very, very, very slim. Less than one. And then it goes all the way down into overtime, still tied. <laughs> so I think people were kind of listen, thinking, like, wow. Listen, 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 though, fixed? listen, though. Like, the way Justin Herbert had to go downfield, right? How do you it, fake that? Fourth and no, ten. Exactly. How, how do you do fake you, that? But, yeah. I think it was just meant to be that way. And it just so happened to happen in this game, mm-hmm. in, in this situation. Right, so it just happened to be. And that's the game. thing, right? Like, like, what are the ch- like anybody who had the tying card out there for for gambling and all and those kinds of things? I mean, they must have been like heartbroken because it was right there, man. It was there. I think the best example of why it wasn't fixed was I, I forget exactly, but the Chargers were either five of six on fourth down or six of seven, which, like I said, most teams don't. Back before everyone went ghost went for it on fourth down, some teams wouldn't have five or six fourth down conversions mm-hmm. in a season. But, no, I think both teams played it out. I just say, in that moment, all right, we're done. And the other thing, too, is people are saying, well, the Raiders weren't going to kneel it out or lay on the ball because they were in shotgun. Well, yes, of course, but that's because that's – if they would have kneeled it and it would have been fourth down, the Chargers can call a timeout. So, again, both teams had to do their due diligence, but once that first down happened, in my opinion, like, all right, we're done. That was like good. I said, this doesn't have to be – it doesn't have to be, like, friends about this. Which is like what I feel like people were thinking, like, oh, they're just gonna like all get in this like shady, didn't really smoky room and seating say, hey. either. The seating but, was impacted heavily. I don't yeah, think, so. that's the thing too. Like people are, well, the Raiders didn't. Well, the Raiders would rather play the Bengals than the Chiefs. Which, okay, yes, maybe, but at the maybe. same time, like they're grown men. Like they're not, Derek, you know, the Raiders. The Raiders had to go into Arrowhead and play Kansas City on Sunday. They like, oh my God, Patrick Mahomes. Well, they're like, getting oh, into the playoffs. Yeah, they're grown men, and it's a divisional. Yeah, professional playing yeah. professional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. anything can happen. Man. Anything can happen. So, correct me if I'm wrong with that. After they took the timeout, right, 
if they if they really wanted the game to end in a time in, in a in a tie, couldn't they have kneeled? They could have kneeled, but they didn't. They could have <laughs> kneeled after the timeout, but again, what I keep going to is they you know neither like they're not saying like this yeah. game. So if had they kneeled, the Chargers could have called their last timeout and gotten the ball and then back. It would have been fourth down, yeah. and they would have had to punt. So reality, it looked like so when this is like the live image that I had. Okay, it looked like. The clock was winding down, right? And they had the mm-hmm. ball on the line. And then the Chargers called the timeout. It's like, well, why the hell did you just do that? They probably were going to run it, maybe get a few yards, right? Mm-hmm. And 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 let it keep running. And that would have been it. You know, Steelers out, crybabies in Pittsburgh, whatever, right? Like, that's just the way it was going to happen. And it just didn't. They called the timeout for defensive mm-hmm. purposes, right, to make sure they had their team set up, whatever. And it just, like, screwed them in the ass, man. It did. And, and, and had they not gotten that first down – it still would have been about. It would have been a long. It would have been a fifty-seven, a long field goal. yarder. And people are like, "Well, they they were still going to attempt the field goal." I don't think so, because Carlson's reliable. But if you miss that, the Chargers have, can get one or two first downs, and they they can try a field goal of their own. Or if he's short, he can return it out there. One hundred percent. So I think, yeah, I think once the first down happened, I feel like that was in my head as in real time. I was like, "Oh, this is perfect. Now the yeah. tie's going to happen." And then they call the timeout. With two, I just. <laughs> It's just silly to me, but hey, I mean, like I said, it's it would have been a great story to tell. I feel bad for the Chargers. It would have been great to have Herbert in the playoffs instead of the Steelers, but shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah. Okay, so hear me out. What's the the Raiders head coach, the, the interim guy? What's his name? Rich Bisaccia. Okay. Roger Goodell was in his ear the whole time because <laughs> yeah. he wanted Roethlisberger in a playoff game. Mm-hmm. He's like, you better, in his final better year. get him you past that. Kick yeah. this field goal, yes. To send, to send Roethlisberger off in the playoffs. That'd be so shady. Like, he, could you imagine, like, Goodell, like, busts into, like, the coordinators, like, up in the booth. He's like, give me the damn answer. <laughs> listen, Bisaccia. Hey, oh, listen, I know the Steelers got in. very funny. Steelers got in. The Steelers got in, um, in kind of, like, you know, last minute or whatever. But their defense is still pretty good. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they're a dangerous team in my eyes. But not. I know, like, you know, they have their, their problems as well, like, offensively. So, we'll see, man. Um, how about we get into some firings? I know you guys are excited. Uh, why don't you guys take it away from here, Ryan? What are your thoughts, man? Some of these, some of these firings here. Yeah. I mean, it, like speak with the bears first, right? They <laughs> yeah. honestly clean house, you know, they fired their GM, they fired the head coach and honestly, Ben, right. From a bears fan, this was a long time coming, yeah. right? This was a long time coming. People in the, in the bears fan base have been asking for Matt Nagy's firing for a couple of years now, to be honest, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was just the inevitable finally happened, you know, and there's some rejoicing happening in, in Bears fandom right now because, you know, when you get this new head coach in, it's like it's like a spark plug to your franchise, you know, because football is by far the quickest turnaround sport, you know. So there's a lot of a lot of excitement with the Bears franchise right now, you know. Uh, there's a lot of good candidates out there, Harbaugh, um, Flores, you know. So I'm truly excited. I'm very excited about this new possible direction they could be going to. Yeah, I think that's well put. It, it, it's been a long time coming, like you said. It's just, it's a tough business, right? I mean, you look at it, the, the funny thing is, which well, people will you know, look back on, I think with Nat Nagy is, he did have a winning record, but it was just never enough, um, you know, did he ever get maybe the greatest team to work with? No, but... Yeah, I mean, pace, it just, it, you just got to get the timing right. So I think my hope is with this new, whatever the new regime is, you have the GM and the coach, they're coming in together. So obviously, you know, if they can be bonded together a little bit better than I think Pace and Nagy were, I think that's a good thing. But yeah, I think 
I think I'm probably in the minority in the fact that I, I, I get Matt Nagy should have been fired, but I always felt a little bit bad for him because I feel like sometimes the odds are stacked against him. But, yeah, he he definitely wasn't ready to be a head coach, and so hopefully he can get things back and maybe he'll get another chance. But, yeah, it's a, it's a sad thing. But I think at the end of the day, I think what Bears fans are realizing are you pretty much have to hope that the McCaskies get this right because – I think the ownership and the lack of football knowledge at the top is just as fault as putting in Matt Nagy and Pace, and you kind of put it here with this terrible season. Yeah. So when you when you going back to when you said the odds were stacked against Matt Nagy, like what other than the quarterback, right? I mean, mm-hmm. offensively they always had they had Allen Robinson, they had Montgomery, they had good other wide receivers around him. You know, defense, defense was for a couple of years their best in the league. You know, so other than the quarterback, which we knew Trubisky, you know, he's not as good as the second overall pick. Like, what else do you think was stacked against him? Well, I think Pace gave away a lot of draft capital that they could have had valuable pieces. Robinson was good, but other than that, I never felt like they got a big-time free agent, you know, either with – outside of Mac. I feel like they never really got another good outside free agent. And then the offensive line, they had a good offensive line, but then Charles Leno, who just got an extension, they let him go – and, you know, they, they had a ton of issues last year, and then they had a bunch of – it's just feel like there was always things. And you're right, there's a lot of teams where it's never perfect. That's very rare. But I felt like once they got the quarterback right, oh, then the offensive line went down. I just felt like there was – and this year, Robin with Robinson being hurt, I just felt like the overall lack of weapons was just really, really glaring. And I think, unfortunately, on top of that, you had an aging defense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one thing with that, though, and my main frustration with Nagy was his, like, his inability to adapt. Mm-hmm. You know, he never he never adapted. It's like you said, if there was a, a, a lack of talent, right, he never showed the ability to, to be able to adapt to what he had. You know, his mm-hmm. offense was always stagnant. It was always, always stagnant. And he seemed very, very determined that it was his way or the highway. Sure. You know, and it just – in the NFL, you can't have it with, uh-huh. with injuries and with yearly turnover and stuff like that. You have to be able to adapt. And like you said, though, he wasn't ready to be a head coach. No. You know, he just wasn't ready to be a head coach. So I think he'll go and be an offensive coordinator somewhere else, try to figure out his own offense, you know, and, and you know, we wish him all the best, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just a shame that we go. I just think at the end of the day, if you said, like, put the – you had a podium and said put the number one person to blame, I would personally put pace – Slightly ahead of Nagy, but yes, they're absolutely both at fault. So Pace was also let go, right? Mm-hmm. So they have a need there. Like I don't know how big you guys are on the GM side of things. Obviously, like the head coach is probably just a little more important in terms of like on field stuff. But I mean, the GM's got to be the first thing filled out. You would think, right? So no, that's what I was gonna say. I I can't say too much with the GM thing because I was just looking at some candidates that. Um, People are putting out there, and I, to be honest, I don't know any of them. Like, I, I, don't I, know, yeah. I don't know director of college personnel. <laughs> I don't know these guys. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing I will say with the GM is I hope they hire the GM first and then go get the head coach. Because I think if you're going to hire the GM, he oversees football operations. I think it's important that you have him there and he has say in who the head coach is going to be. Sure, 100%. If they do it the other way around, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to irritate me a little bit. you know, Because I don't think a GM is going to want to come into a place – that has a head coach that was not handpicked, mm-hmm. or the GM had some say in it. Well, let's talk about really quick, like the track record of the McCaskies in picking, like GMs and coaches. It hasn't been pretty good recently, right? It hasn't been the best. Who's who was it before Pace and Emory? Yeah, it was Emory and Trespin, which was and then, the and then obviously, and then they went to Emory to Fox or Pace to Fox. Although that's kind of the right, that's kind of that thing, right? Where 
Pace, they hired Pace, and then they didn't really consult him about John Fox, and then he, you know, so when he was in a bad position because he's like, well, this is these people are giving me the biggest job I've ever had. I'm not going to say no. I think your pick sucks. So then that's when he was kind of put in a fox, and obviously that didn't work. And then they brought in Matt Nagy, and the first year was good, but then yeah, obviously everything else went to hell after that. Mm. So we're thinking, what what's the trust level there in the McCaskies to pick a good GM for this team? What, what, what how are we feeling about that? Not confident, a little co- okay, optimistic. Like what do we think? I mean, I'm not. I mean, you gotta right. You gotta you gotta prove it, right? If you have you, right, actions over words. They're saying they're bringing in Bill Polian, who, yes, is a great Hall of Fame executive, but it's just, it shows how glaringly incapable they are of doing their own thing. Like, this this guy, they're paying this guy probably six figures for a, two or three weeks of work to find this guy. And the thing is, Bill Polian's almost 80. He's, he's in the Hall of Fame, he's won a Super Bowl. If he picks some terrible coach, people are going to be like, oh, Bill Polian, we should take him out of the Hall of Fame. No, no one's going to care. <laughs> Except for us, so it's just it just goes to show, right? George McCaskey, this is all he's known as this family business, and he still has to ask, you know, the smart kid in the classroom for help on his homework. Like, yeah. come on, it should be in your blood, man. It should, right? Be, but that doesn't it doesn't happen, unfortunately. There's no right. This is the thing, right? As the general manager, Pace was the highest ranking of, uh, football guy for the Bears. You need that president, right? The Cubs did that with Theo Epstein, and that really worked out. Mm-hmm. That's what they need, but they're not going to do it. So the GM, again, is going to be the highest guy in terms of football operations, and he's going to report to George McCaskey, who, even though he's been on this earth for six decades, still knows <laughs> little about football. <laughs> well, I just have one thing to say. I know Bears fans are probably some of the most passionate fans in terms of sports, and I'm not a Bears fan, like, obviously. But, I mean, these these people are going out, you know, negative two-degree weather in the playoffs to watch this team. You know, they – they would have, you know, if there was a playoffs now, it's cold as hell outside. They would be there, right, in the stands. So, I mean, th- there's not a lack of passion here, man. There isn't, you know. So, I really hope it works out for you guys. Oh, yeah. No, the passion is there. The passion, the passion 100%. is very much there. And, it, like, if you were to ask me, like, my confidence level in George McCaskey on a scale of 1 to 0 to 10, it'd be like a 0.5. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, yeah. you just heard in his presser the other day, he said, I'm not a football guy. I, I know. That's why I was saying <laughs> Well, dude, if you're not a football guy, you should have zero say in who your GM's going to be. I was going to ask you, know? you guys about that comment. Like, how does that make you feel as, like, ownership? That's your owner of your team, like, right there, you know? Right. Like, what what, what are we – like, why are we optimistic now after that, you know? It, it just – it shows – the problem is, is their board. If you look at their board, everyone is either – they're two things. They're either a McCaskey, and I'm counting Ted Phillips as a McCaskey because – if you if if he's not part of their family, something's wrong. Because they're they're keeping. Because if he wasn't, if they didn't think he was family, he'd be fired a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Or they're a billionaire. So here's the thing: the Bears could go winless for the next five years, and the value of the franchise is only going to still go up. Yep. So I get that they want to win. Obviously, they don't want to put all this time and effort into losing. But there's really no real world consequences for the brain trust. If they win or lose, because if they lose again, what are they going to do in five years? We're just going to do this process and I'll have less hair and <laughs> you know, everyone else will have blood pressure through the roof and we'll just be where we are. And you guys will look so, back at Justin Fields yeah. and be like, ah, what, what could have been, Justin right? Fields, right, exactly. But at the end of the day, so again, hope is a danger. Hope's a good thing, but it's also a dangerous thing. So I have hope. I don't care who the Bears hire as GM and head coach. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. 
But again, if, if it fails, we, we just start over again in four years. We're probably, if we're still, you know, the 12, six podcast, you know, if we do inflation, maybe it's the 36, <laughs> the 36, uh, 24 podcast. <laughs> and we're back to where we were. So, so yeah, the thing is about the bears and obviously when you own, when you own a franchise, you are a business owner, right? It's all about making money, but you look at other franchises, even in our own town, the Ricketts, right? They're in it to make money. But I like to think that Tom Ricketts knows a little bit about baseball. Hundred percent. Yeah. He knows a little bit about baseball. If you look at the successful franchise in the NFL, the Crafts, uh, the Rooneys, right? Mm -hmm. you, you, you make you believe they know something about football. So the Bears, it, it's just it's too much. Almost like the McCaskies are only in it for the top dollar, mm -hmm. for money. We're like. It doesn't seem like they're in it for the love of football. They don't know enough right. about football to own a franchise. And with passionate fans like Bear fans, I think that's kind of it's BS, not. man. That's kind of BS because you guys are very passionate fans, man. You're like it. It sucks, man. It sucks for you guys. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they, they say they want you know they want to win one before Virginia dies, and I, I don't think that that's false. I, I believe that. One hundred percent. Yeah. Virginia, she was around for a Super Bowl. Like, and she's probably enjoyed it with her dad. Mm -hmm. I think. I don't know if that's true or not, but I think he was still alive. You mean the '85? Yeah. Yeah. But like, like it's not like it's not like this is like the Cubs where it's like, oh, we have to win. No one has ever seen one in 108 years. Yeah. The Bears won a Super Bowl in the grand scheme of things relatively soon ago. So, but it's just like it's just all these like things like, oh, we got to do it for this. We got to do it for that. It just doesn't like. Right, I think you said like it's not, it just doesn't it doesn't run like a business. It's just it's a family business, and I think. You know, again, they're gonna try their best because they want to win, but there's no real world. It's like it's almost like a video game. If they don't get it right, they can just hit restart in five years. Because again, you can't fire the owners. Yep. No, it is, and like when when you own a business, right? There's always that risk, right? There's always mm -hmm. a risk that you're not gonna be profitable, that you lose money some year. But the thing about sports owners is that they they know that their team could go 0 and 16, 0 and 17 now, and like you said, the value continues to rise. There's no consequences for for sucking. There's no consequences mm -hmm. for being Especially bad. in Chicago. Especially in Chicago. When you own yeah. a franchise like the Chicago Bears. 100%. You know? And I saw this one thing on Twitter earlier. It said, the vicious cycle of a Bears fan. And it says, we are here right now. We are Where we are is everyone gets fired again and no clear direction is established. Mm -hmm. Next is hire a new GM coach. Next is new G coach GM hired promising to revitalize the organization. Yep. Right? Next is the Bears go between five and twelve and nine and eight for four years. <laughs> about right yep. on par. After that, a new QB is drafted and some random veteran decide is signed to start the season. Next after that, everyone gets fired and a new direction yep. is established. It's just a continuous cycle that just doesn't seem to ever end with the team. You gotta start somewhere, man. Right? You gotta hit, you gotta hit, you gotta hit sometime, right? Like it's gotta happen. It's yeah. just like well, you gotta have, they well, have that's, the thought. So that's the thing. It the NFL is such a parody driven league. Where it could happen, but if the Bears win a division and then lose, like, is that like we want to win the Super Bowl? 100%. I think, like, I'd be willing to bet that the Bears will make the playoffs within the next four years, but like, you, you want to go up and over. I think that's kind of the, the problem right now. That's the thing. The city will believe the Bears, like, even last year, I feel like people. There was a little belief that the Bears could upset the Saints in the playoffs, but you're just not getting to Well, that no, point. that's what I was going to say. Last year, they went eight and eight and made the playoffs. And because they went eight and eight, made the playoffs, everything was just okay. Yeah, you know, Nagy and Pace, they kept their jobs because they made the playoffs. Yep, and they were bouncing the first round, but everything was just it was fine because they made the playoffs. But that's not like that's not striving for excellence, mm -hmm. you know. So it's just this continuous cycle of mediocrity, and it's just like, well, when does that end? But like I said earlier, 
when you hire a new coach, when you hire a new GM, there is that excitement that maybe this is the end of it. Hey, man, football can change in a second. Yep. The Niners went from three and, you know, 14 to a Super Bowl losing mm-hmm. team. So, I mean, it, it, it can happen, man. It can happen for sure. So, uh, really quick, as we're on the, the coaches firing thing, I know some good Bears talk. Brian Flores, why? Um, so I, I can't, unfortunately, I can't give credit to who it was because I, I, it skips my mind right here. But I heard today that it sounds like Flores became a little bit too hands on. He wouldn't let other people do their job, and he just became this kind of, you know, almost like a dictator in the room and i think that kind of maybe alienated some people i mean keep in mind they did go on a seven game losing streak i know in chicago as long as you go on like a three game winning streak after the six game (laughs) losing streak you're okay but i think that's kind of the thing but yeah i think he just i think he's an alpha type personality and i think he went too far and i think there's going to be lessons learned from that and i think he'll land on his feet i'm if you said name one person who will be a head coach anywhere in the nfl it's him I, i don't i don't know if it'll be on the bears but I think he'd be a good fit for the Vikings. And I also think if they wanted to, I think he'd be tough enough to go to New York. I think that kind of tough guy mentality, him and Robert Sala kind of have that yeah, similar mentality. So I could Jets, see man. him landing there. Like I said, I think he'd be good for the Vikings. I think that defense could use a revamp. And I think there's a good enough amount of weapons on offense that he'd be good, I think. So I think he'll land on his feet. But, yeah, I think it sounds like, from what I understand, he got just way too over the top in terms of power-hungry and uh, it kind of cost him his job, it sounds like. That was probably the most shocking. Yeah. Def- okay. Definitely the most shocking of the, the firings. I mean, the Dolphins finished game over, right? Mm-hmm. Beat the Patriots, playoff team, end of the year, in, per- per- in mm-hmm. pretty decent fashion right at the end of the pick six, you know, it was or a fumble recovery, whatever mm-hmm. it was, right? So, I mean, I don't know. I, that was a little shocking to me, but I, I feel like, yeah, yeah, out of all these people that were like, oh, he's definitely going to be up on his feet quicker than anybody else. So The other big thing, too, it sounds like, Flores was all in on drafting Herbert, and the GM did drafted Tua, so I think that made him a little bitter too, which is kind of funny because the GM kept his job. So <laughs> uh, yeah, well, the NFL doesn't make sense sometimes. To be fair, Tua isn't the worst, but Herbert's just you know he's he's, mm-hmm. he's you know he he is what he is, man. He's one of the best in, right now, at least in the quarterbacks. So yeah, I heard, I heard the same thing about Brian Flores that he kind of became like a micromanager. Mm-hmm. Um, he often would get in like kind of like. Um, disagreements and fights with the owner and stuff like that. The owner just didn't at the end of at the end of the end of the year just ended up not liking the guy for who he was. Yeah. But you know, you look at what he did, what he did there. Like he really did not have the most talented roster in the world, and he made he the was team not good. the best quarterback in the world. Yeah. And he made you know they were an over five hundred team, a really mm-hmm. tough division. Mm-hmm. So I would take on the Bears ten times out of ten, and dude, maybe that's what the Bears need a, a coach that's you know there to kick somebody in the ass. Yeah, that's you know? probably like the most like. Risky signing, I feel like for the Bears, right? Because I can go either way. He's kind of saying what he wants, right? What he what, like this and that and the other. Right? If the McCaskies were kind of like, "Hey, we're paying you to go do your job. Like, don't mess. Like, don't don't do this. Like, don't come out at us. Whatever, right? Uh-huh. That could cause some issues for them. Maybe they just want like peace and silence here. You go do your job, kind of thing, right? That could cause some issues too, yeah. right? Depending no, on the who- thing. Like, I wonder if George McCaskey is the type of guy where he could take a coach like that working for him. Like, no one's <laughs> dude that's just not going to listen to anybody so. else, you know. And that's the thing too, right? If there's if there's only one level between George McCaskey and Brian Flores, you think Brian Flores is going to go through that level? Hell no. He's going to fall right <laughs> That's why, again, not having a president of football ops is going to be very costly. But, yeah, I mean, if as long as Flores understands that it's a thing, as a, it's, it's a team effort, and I don't want him to change who he is because obviously he had success and he won a lot of games the last couple of years. But, yeah, you gotta you got to get to a point where you got to understand, right? you, you got to let your offensive coordinator coach the – 
offense. Like, I gotta let the special teams go. You know, you can't. It's not high school football. You can't have a micromanager the whole time. And yeah, the last thing I'll say about the Bears, the new head coach, is that they have to find somebody that can come in and work with Justin Fields. Yes. Jim Harbaugh, let's go. <laughs> there we go. I miss. I miss him as a, I'm telling you. I told you guys like Shanahan. I love Shanahan. Genius. I miss Jim Harbaugh, though, man. He's he was he wore his he wore his you know his emotions on his sleeve. You can tell he was passionate about every single one of his players, and he like he cared about the team, man. You know, yeah, he cared about it, and that's what I like. That's what I think would be good for the Bears. Yeah, and like the Bears, I and mean, they just drafted Justin Fields to be this franchise quarterback, so they have to find a coach that's going to hit on it. You know, because you cannot Absolutely. you cannot miss on this. You can't miss on another one. No. All right, well, that was some good stuff. Recap Sunday. Talked about some firings. Uh, we'll be back. For the next segment, which will be our playoff prediction segment. So stick with us right after this. All right. So first things first, let's get into the first game here on, on, on the docket here. Raiders, Bengals. Let's cover the lines really quick. Bengals are the favorite at home. Five and a half points. Um, just a couple game day notes here. The Raiders have been struggling a bit down the stretch in terms of points. They've been averaging 19 points per game over the last six. Uh, so yeah, I mean that, that's they kind of they kind of squawking at the end, right? They changed John Gruden midseason, right? That was that was a little bit difficult. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he's run for 326 yards over his last four games, as we mentioned, right? Sunday night had a decent game. Um, something to look out for the Bengals. Jamar Chase ended the season with 1,455 receiving yards. It's a rookie right there doing that kind of thing with Joe Burrow. That's that's a that's a pretty good stat there mm-hmm. too. So uh, what are we thinking here? Uh, what how do we feel about this game here? Uh, let's start with Ben here. Um, I think this will be. I think this is the most. Oh, what's the word? I don't want to say interesting because I think that's Cowboys 49ers, but there's just I think this is the most. I think this game has the biggest range of outcomes. I think the I think the Raiders could win by two scores. I also think the Bengals could win by two scores. I think either team could I could come down to who gets the ball last. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of things could happen in this game. You have two quarterbacks making their playoff debut. You also have two coaches. First time they've coached in a game, and you just you know those the Bengals they always just and this is it's kind of silly because you can't really quantify it, but it's, it reminds me of the Cubs before they won the World Series, where you just you feel like something's always going to go wrong, and you, I think that's going to happen for, you know, something for the Bengals, so we'll see. I just think it depends on what defense the Raiders show up. There's been times when the Raiders have done, a, have had a pretty nice defense. When they're able to get after the quarterback, they're, they're a formidable unit, but if they don't, and the Bengals are able to move the ball at will, I think that they're going to uh, win this game easily, because I don't think the Raiders, especially after a uh, Henry Ruggs was selfish and decided to take someone's life driving drunk. Um, their offense has really gone into a shell. Renfro is good, but you need that vertical field stretcher. Zay Jones is coming to that a little bit, but if yeah, if the Bengals, if the Raiders defense doesn't show up, I think the Bengals win easily. So here's a stat for you, right? The Raiders apply uh, the pressure percentage, thirty-two point eight percent. That's sixth best in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bengals allow sacks on nine percent of passing plays. So those kind, of, those are the two, those are the reasons that I feel like the Raiders could turn this over you know, and become a favorite, you know, midway through the game sure. because of that, the defense and, the, and with the passing plays and stuff. So you could be looking at an upset there for sure. Um, and then, you know, obviously the Bengals being at home, you get three points at home usually, right, give or take, mm-hmm. you know, so five and a half on the road for, for the Raiders. I feel like that's definitely manageable, but I think I am going to go Bengals on this one still with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Just, he has too many weapons, man. Um, so that, that's my that's my pick. I don't know who you're taking that game. but No, I, I would – 
I think the Bengals should be favored. And I think they, I think they'll win. I'll go with the Bengals. Um, I think that we talked about the Raiders pass rush and the Bengals could be just as good. I think when they get after quarterbacks, I think they're just the way they are. So I think, you know, not to sound like an old man here, but this game will be one up front with the, the <laughs> offense and defensive lines. The they, trenches. Whoever can uh, protect their quarterback better, I think will come out on top. 100%. All right. So, yeah, Raiders, Bengals, I think definitely one of the more fascinating games this weekend. I think that's a Saturday game, right? Yes. So that's something, Saturday at 3.30. Something to look forward to on Saturday there. All right, right. What you got for us? Yeah, so, I mean, obviously when you get into the playoffs, right, the two key factors – or they're the one key factor really is the quarterbacks, right? So you look at the quarterbacks on both teams. you got Derek Carr, who obviously has a lot more experience than Joe Burrow. And that was like the one thing that I was kind of a little bit nervous about is if Joe Burrow is ready for this moment, right? He's still young in the league, his second year, coming off ACL injury, missed a ton of time and everything. Um what I've seen from Joe Burrow lately, though, is this dude's ready to take that next leap, right? I mean, he's looked like an absolute stud, one of the top five quarterbacks in the league right now. So I think uh, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, like you said, their defensive line is just as good as the Raiders is. I think that puts them over the hump, and I think they get the win at home. All right, we're all taking bangles here. Uh, what do we got for the next game? Ryan, Ryan just took some notes on, on this next game here for us, so. Yeah, so let's go uh, Steelers-Chiefs then, right? Steelers at Chiefs. That's a Sunday night game, right? Sunday night game. There we go, yep. Yeah, so Steelers, like, I mean, they truly did sneak into the playoffs this year. Like, <laughs> they, like, they truly snuck into the playoffs. I mean, they beat the Ravens the last game of the year to get in. The Ravens obviously were without Lamar Jackson for, what, about half the season, you know, so that was obviously detrimental to them. The Colts losing to the Jaguars. Um, you had that Raiders game that we talked about at length, so – Steelers truly, truly did sneak into the playoffs this year. Um, ben Roethlisberger, he's not what he once was. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was evident throughout the season that it's not he's not who he once was. And you got the Chiefs, man. The Chiefs are the Chiefs, right? I think there'll be too much for the Steelers all game long. I think that the Steelers' offense will not be able to compete and even hang with the, the Chiefs' offense. Um, I'm kind of expecting a blowout here. I'm expecting at least a two-score, at least a two-touchdown win here. So, I, I got Chiefs. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. You can't – and if it was any other team, I would – I think they'd hang around. But this Chiefs defensive unit has gotten a lot better over the past month. And on top – so, I don't think the rate uh, Steelers are going to be able to just shorten the game with Najee Harris and run it because I think the Chiefs will be able to stop them. And you just – you can't – bank on Ben Roethlisberger to make a multiple big throws in the game anymore. Mm-hmm. And if they get it, and the Steelers offensive line, is just not good. So if I'll, I'll be interested to see what their, their game plan is. I, what I'm looking forward to is I could see Deontay Johnson. I could see him having 12 catches for 54 yards. Just only he and Ben Roethlisberger could. That's what I'm cheering for. I mean, the only reason I'm not, like completely convinced is the Chiefs always do this where they, you know, Mahomes might make a stupid interception. They yeah. might do something wrong. Sometimes the Chiefs kind of have those things go crazy. And, you know, TJ Watt having the season he could, he could Blind pressure some, every single play, man. Some havoc. So, yeah, I think as, as weird as this sounds, I think the only way the Steelers can win this game is if the defense scores a touchdown. And I don't, I wouldn't rule it out. But I'm still going to go Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely going to be a low-scoring game. 
I think most obviously most of the points are coming for the Chiefs, but mm-hmm. you know the, the the rush from uh from the Steelers is pretty decent, pretty solid. That's what kept them in it. We're all being honest. Big Ben hasn't been doing much. Uh, yeah, man, I'm going Chiefs. I think I'm gonna go like maybe a two score game at the end there, uh, no doubt. So and there we go, Chiefs over Steelers. That's what we all think there on that one. Um, next AFC game, right? Patriots Bills. Patriots open up uh, four and a half point underdog. Uh, so. With that being said, just a couple notes that I took down on this. Patriots are three and four in their last four games. Uh, Bills have a four-game winning streak. The Patriots in those three losses have given up 27 points. Um, so take it away, Ben. What are, what are our thoughts here on this game? Uh, this is probably the hardest game when I was getting ready for this podcast. This is a game I'm still going back and forth in my head. It's If you just look at it from a really it's like a 30,000-foot picture – it looks like either Brian Dable, the offense coordinator for the Bills, or Leslie Fraser, the defense coordinator, are going to get a head coaching job somewhere. So if the for the Bills, you could just argue like for the rest of the outlook of the next five years of the franchise, this is such a huge game. Whereas, even though the Patriots have been awesome throughout the years, it seems like the Patriots eat, are like they just have nothing to lose. Well, they're so stable, and they are exactly <laughs> and, and exactly. So I think. As weird as it crazy as it's a sound, for ninety five percent of the time, Bill Belichick is the hunted. Right, they're going after him trying to. But this is a time I think Bill Belichick gets to be the hunter, and I think this is a rare time in the playoffs where he knows he has nothing to lose. And for that, so for those reasons, I think the pressures on the Bills at the home crowd. I think Bill Belichick goes into his bag of tricks. And I'm sure some position player will throw a touchdown pass, even though Mac Jones won't, and they'll <laughs> reach into that. And I think the Patriots go into Orchard Park and uh, come away with a three-point victory over the Bills. That's a, that sounds like a pretty eventful uh, Sunday there. I mean, just uh, just getting into it, too, some things mm-hmm. that I found in terms of like the stats and stuff while looking at this game. Uh, for pass completion in terms of defensive stats, right? Bills were the best in the NFL this year at 56%. Mm-hmm. Patriots are actually second best wow. at 59. So you're talking about two teams when it comes to passing. Right? You got Mac Jones, you got um, Josh Allen, right? Another a really good guy. So uh, this game, and it's going to be cold. Yeah, so, I have nine. On so yep. so it it sounds like this game is going to be one on the ground, right? I don't know how I don't know how it feels to be a receiver catching with your fingers numb, right? It's probably hurts like hell. So mm-hmm. they're probably going to be on the ground a lot. I would think. Uh, so that's that's where I feel like it might be one here, even especially with these with these you know defensive backfields that are pretty solid obviously in terms of you know you know pass completion percentages for crying out loud so uh, yeah man this is gonna be a, this is gonna be a close one it's gonna be one on defense yeah I, I think that's well put I, it, like I said I just it seems like everything is like the bills have, are the ones that have everything to lose in this game 100 percent it's just I just think you're just gonna you're gonna get Bill Belichick at his best here because how rare is it that he gets to be the one with nothing to lose? And when you have a coach of his caliber that has nothing to lose and is just going to empty it out, it's uh, it's a pretty scary thought if you're a Bills fan. But Bill, good for me. It's Bill Belichick, the dog. He's the he's finally the dog. Let's see what happens, right? Um, all right. So yeah, next game we got Eagles and Bucks, man. Wait, hold on, hold on. You got something to say about this last I gotta game? Get my, I got to get my prediction. Oh, okay. Let's, let's <laughs> get your prediction. We forgot about Ryan in the corner. He's got. He's all right. Let's go. What do we got? What do we got for the game, Ryan? Let's hear. Well, it. I was going to say like. To be con- like 100% honest, I don't really have a ton of intelligent thoughts on this. <laughs> on this game. I don't really, but you made a good point though. Like 
uh, Bill Belichick, like, he's been able to kind of relatively fly under the radar like all year, yeah. you know, compared to usual years, you know, he's been kind of flying under the radar, doing his thing, winning games. And, you know, you're right about that whole thing. But I, my, the one thing is I just don't trust Mac Jones 100% yet with mm-hmm. Josh Allen. I got all the faith in the world sure. with him at home, you know. So just like my gut instincts, I'm going to take the Bills at home over the Patriots. It's, I mean, in terms of like the closest game is Dallas, San Francisco. If you want to talk like the spread, but no, I, I think the Bills. I understand why they're favored and they should be, but yeah, no, I, I think this game is just a coin flip. And like you said, yeah, if Mac Jones doesn't make some big throws and Josh Allen doesn't, yeah, the Bills could win this maybe relatively easily. I just, it's just to me, it's just like I, I can totally see it now. I'm sitting on the couch on Saturday night, and. As the clock hits uh, triple zeros in the fourth quarter, and the Patriots are up three, and you're like, "How did they do that? Yeah. They just do just enough. Yep. Like it's not going to be flashy, no matter what. But it's just, oh, so. Really quick while we're on this, uh, the uh, the Patriots. When do you think Bill Belichick calls it a quits? When he's like on his deathbed? Do you think they roll him out? On like a, <laughs> I think so. On a, on a, on a uh, hospital bed, he's still oh, coaching on the sidelines. Like, does, will this dude ever hang it up? I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I just think it's in his blood. He, I, I he. Had, they did a feature on him, on Fox, or uh, back in like October, or November, and he was talking with Jimmy Johnson, and he said, "Yeah, I, I just enjoy the process." And he just, he, I think, I think whether he's playing the Jags, or he's playing the Bills in a playoff game, I think he loves the challenge of getting his team ready to play, and I think he, I just think it's his life. I just think he, yeah, I think if he steps down it would be because of god forbid i don't want to say this and i don't want to wish this on him but i think it'd be health related mm. like, i think as long as he's healthy and happy i think he'll coach as long as he can because he's got more money than any coach maybe ever because he does the operation the football operations as well so yeah the thing yeah. bill belichick like a good comp with him is nick saban right <laughs> and like you said that like, he enjoys it the thing with those two guys is like they're always they always come off like they're in such bad moods and mm-hmm. just always just angry at the world. It's like it doesn't seem enjoy like it doesn't seem from the outside like it's enjoyable. It's perception, you know? man. They got they got a little certain type of way. I feel like you know, right? But like Matt Nagy, you could tell it was fun to him. It was mm-hmm. enjoyable going to practice. Like with Bill Belichick and Nick Saban, you see him in the pressers and you see him in the sidelines. Like this dude is not having fun. <laughs> like, but, uh, that, but that's why like there's only so many of those kind of coaches ever because they are constantly just hunting down this perfection that they'll never truly get. Mm. Like I, if I ever won a Super Bowl as a head coach, I would go nuts and I would be like, yep, that's me who wants to buy me a drink. Like I would just, I would take a whole month off. No, but the next, the next day they're back Mm -hmm. in the office, you know, uh, preparing for next year, you know, it's there's, you guys know Jolie Molinaro does the impressions, right? Oh yeah. And and the championship, he did Nick Saban because he does a great Nick Saban and, he did this one where he's like getting interviewed before the national championship game on Monday, and Saban's like, "Well, I'm just quite frankly pissed because I'm a month behind on recruiting, right? Like <laughs> playing the national championship game being a month after the regular season ends. Obviously, he's going to win the national championship. That's why they're there, but like it's an inconvenience to him. So I think even more that's like well put. Like Belichick, there is a like an a, some time where Belichick can take to relax and regroup, but with college, yeah, I don't know how Saban keeps it going." Because it's just the recruiting trail, especially now with this NLI or NL, NIL, my bad. National Letter of Intent, Name, Image, Likeness. <laughs> ridiculous two acronyms synonymous with college or that close. But, 
yeah, it's it's a full time job, and they just they have that perfection, and that's why they're uh, great at their coaching. And that's why Matt Nagy is uh, looking for tea times right now. Gosh, I wonder what happens after you get fired as a coach. Like, what do you even do? What, 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 start throwing your name out there again? Like, what the heck do you even do? You know? You know, I've always thought that. Like, <laughs> no, truly, after you are fired as an NFL head coach, obviously you've reached the highest pedigree in your profession. You know, mm-hmm. and you were fired right because you didn't have enough wins. But it's like still, you're like you're the top dog. Like, what do you I'll do? be a millionaire. Takes you're a millionaire. You know, yeah. you you have everything for your family. It's take a time, like, maybe take a year off and get back like to the next. It's not getting fired year. from our jobs. We got we, we got to find another job. Yeah. You got to yeah. find another job real quick, man. Get it. That's the that's the craziest thing. Even if you're a terrible head coach, like I, I mean, Nagy wasn't good, but he wasn't awful. But the fact that you were a head coach for four years guarantees you a job. Almost as long as you don't do anything horrible, like as long as you you know stay on the straight and narrow, it guarantees you a job for the rest of your life. Because at the you know you can just put I was an NFL head coach. Right. That's all you need to put on your resume, and they'll have you be a position coach or like uh yeah like you know Freddie Kitchens and Pat Shermer were terrible, but they'll always have jobs. Well, it's like you look at Dan Quinn. His sure. the, at the end of his Falcons career, he was awful. They were mm-hmm. they were terrible, and he like his head was out on the stake, you know, but. Now he's a defensive coordinator at Cowboys. He's going to probably get to get a head coaching job yeah. after this. So, yeah, it's crazy the turnaround, the coaching turnaround in the NFL. But, all right, what do we got next? Next game is Eagles, Eagles Bucks. Eagles Bucks, right? What do we got? All right, so I took these notes during my prep time at school. <laughs> so they're not. They're not hey, man, that's true. That's stats and everything like that. You don't have to. But, just, what are your thoughts, man? What are your thoughts? What do we got? Yeah, no, the Buccaneers. So, obviously, in one of like the most wild displays in NFL history, they lost Antonio Brown, right? <laughs> so they lost one of their top playmakers and one of the wildest things I've ever seen in my life. They lost Godwin, you know, to an ACL mm-hmm. injury. So they're down a couple playmakers. But when you watch Bucks games, it's like next man up. They've got another guy that yeah. replaced him. You know, they still got Mike Evans. They've still got Gronk, who Gronk is in his uh, <laughs> 2016 form right now. Making you know? plays, man. Making, Making plays. plays. They got Tom Brady at freaking 45 years old, you know, looking like he's 30 years old. Um so the offense, they're still there. They have a great, they have a great, great defense. And then you look at the Eagles on the other side. Um, they were banged up for, you know, Jalen Hurts was a little banged up there. I know um, Devontae Smith missed some time, didn't he, with some injuries. Yep. But they're healthy now. They're fully healthy. So I expect a decent game, honestly. I, I, this is one of those games where I do see another two-score win. I, I picture the Buccaneers winning by at least two touchdowns. Um, just because of the playmakers, they have so many playmakers on offense, they have so many playmakers on defense, and I, I just think that they are more talented than the Eagles, and I think that they're they're better coached than the Eagles. So I see the Buccaneers winning this game. Well put. I think uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna say the same as you, man. I just I don't see much in this game. It's gonna be the early. This game, game doesn't outside. excite me. It really doesn't. Matter. Early game really outside. Hey, man, it's just it's mm-hmm. it's just well, theater food. And that's why they yeah. This is why they put this at noon on. This is probably the least attractive time slot was noon on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had some uh, rousing thing to get the Eagles going. I mean, if if the Buccaneers don't protect Tom Brady, I could see it. But like in the playoffs, you got to make some big throws. And can you really trust Jalen Hurts? He's my fantasy quarterback. I love him, but yeah, he's just not not up to that. And Levante David, the big inside linebacker, is coming off the IR. So is Leonard Fournette. So they're only the Buccaneers are only getting healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this is a. I think this is a, a game similar. Oh, I should say, I think this is a type of game where the Eagles will hang around a little bit, but at the end of the 
game, you'll say the Buccaneers were up 14 and it probably wasn't even as close as that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's a, a pretty easy victory for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're all agreed. Any more on that game or are we good to go? That's all I got. All right, second to last game. We'll put we'll put our, our most enticing one at the end here. This is probably just as enticing, but, you know, I'm a fan of the Niners, so we'll do that last. Rams, Cardinals, Rams open up three and a half point favorite at home. Uh, honestly, it's another pick em, man, another pick em. Um, just, just going into because the injuries are really a factor in this game for sure. DeAndre Hopkins, mm-hmm. probably not a factor. Right? He's hurt. Uh, Jordan Fuller's out. That's a, that's a big safety right there for the Rams who was playing the entire Niner game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they went out today and they signed uh, Eric Waddell, right? Is that yeah, how you say it? Eric, say there? Weddle, <laughs> Eric Weddle, right? Ridiculous. <laughs> He, he, was, he was not a bit. No, he was with the Ravens probably most oh. famously. But, yeah, he's 37-year-old. Oh, Eric, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All pro I know what you're talking about. Yeah. two years ago, retired. Now he's back, and he's in good shape. It looks like he's in good shape. So, I mean, we'll see with that. I hope so. Um, I hope so. I should hope so. So, yeah, it just in, in terms of right in quarterbacks, right, Stafford throws a lot of picks. We know mm-hmm. that, right? So that's something that's going to be probably – we'll probably be looking at in this game for sure. Um, just going back to the games, obviously they played each other twice, rivals in the division. The Rams lost the first outing. It was Rams 20, Cardinals 37. That was in October. Back on December 13th, they played again. The Rams won 30-23. So, uh, pick them, man. <laughs> I, this is probably just as close sure. as the Dallas-San Fran game. But I think I, I think a lot of people are going Rams. Mm-hmm. I, I think I'm just leaning a little bit towards the Cardinals on this one because I feel like Kyler's – the mobility that Kyler has, I think those kinds of quarterbacks step up a little bit more so in the playoffs, and Stafford kind of worries me a little bit. But I think I'm going to go Cardinals. Ben, what do you think? Yeah, this game, to me, this game is just makes me laugh because a lot of the analysis I've seen, a lot of the analysis I've kind of thought about, it's all it all skews towards the negative, right? Like we, we kind of broke down that raiders Bengals game, right? We're saying if they can do this or they can do that because they, they do those things well, then maybe they have a chance to win. But – to me, as bad as this sounds, it just—I think it'll come down to who makes less mistakes, because they all—they're both very flawed teams. But you, you know, you have Cliff on the Cardinals, and people are going to say, "Oh, Cliff Kingsbury fade and mm-hmm. fade But McVeigh has his own problems. Like McVeigh gets away with it because he's super smart. He can name all the defensive coach. Spoiler: Every coach can do that. But <laughs> he's got this confident kind of confident personality that makes people think he's a lot better than he is. But a lot of times when McVay has a chance to step on someone's neck, he just goes, all right, all right, we're good. We're like, like he, like I, he, I think he wanted to kick the field goal against the 49ers on Sunday. And I mean, he did get that touchdown and actually they went back, but I think he wanted in his heart of hearts, he's like, all right, I'm going to get as much time off this clock and then kick a field goal. Mm. Um, so I get Stafford has it. I mean, Stafford's got to, a good like that's a big part of Stafford's legacy here to try and win this game. I'm just I'm gonna go with Stafford on the experience and just that. I think the Rams can do a little bit more, but it's I think I could see both of these teams having a little quarterback who throws multiple interceptions in a game that they should have won. I think no matter what happens, I think you'll be able to say, Oh, the Cardinals should have won that, or all oh, the Rams had that. It's gonna be a, I think it's gonna be a very ugly game. I think it's gonna. They're gonna leave a lot to be desired, but I think the Rams squeak it out. I'll as as bad. I don't. I would not put a lot of money behind McVeigh and Stafford, 
But gun to my head, I'll take them over Kingsbury and Kyler. So a couple things. What the the game is at Phoenix, right? The game is in at that SoFi in Los Angeles. Oh, so it's at SoFi. Yeah, they were the four seed. Fan base sucks. So the, yeah, there's going to be. It's probably going to be mostly Cardinals fans. I didn't think about it. They just moved to LA. Yeah. They're, they're basically bandwagoners. They're just starting up. But most of the people who live in Arizona are. Bears, they're right. They're, they're Bears fans. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, oh, we'll sign up for before we play. Yeah. They moved over to Glendale. <laughs> if, it's you know? a, if, it's, if it's like a London game, everyone's just wearing their like favorite team's jerseys. Yeah. They're just like, oh, NFL game. I was actually going to look that up. You obviously popped go ahead, but I wanted to see, like, I was wondering what the ticket costs are going to be because, like you said, they don't have a good fan base. They don't. And the Rams and the Cardinals have an okay fan base, but, like, most people who live in Arizona are not. It's got to be there. something. So how about this? This is it's a a nationally televised Island Monday playoff game. You can get in right now for seventy seven. Get out of here! It's <laughs> crazy. How about that? You couldn't even get into a Bears game no, in October no. for oh, less than two hundred dollars. No. The the meaningless Bears Giants game. The cheapest ticket was like sixty bucks. The meaningless exactly. Bears Giants game. Those were like nosebleeds, absolute nosebleeds. So gosh, yeah. But okay, so it's on the road. And DeAndre Hopkins is out. So this is what we got, right? So let's put it this way. DeAndre Hopkins is injured. It sounds like he's going to be out. The, the problem with, with the, yep, the Rams. Won't, won't return this he week. He won't return. Okay. Yeah. So listen to this, right? The Rams are going to miss Jordan Fuller, who's a safety, and Darius Williams, who's a cornerback, right? So their entire – their corners and their, one of their biggest corners and one of their biggest safeties out. So – that's going to take a lot out of out of their secondary, and that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for for Kyler, right? Even without DeAndre Hopkins, right? He's got Christian Kirk, who he's targeting a lot. He had a pretty decent game against the Cowboys mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, so he's been targeting him a lot, and he creates a lot of opportunities for himself. Now it's going to be about that pass rush, right? Is Aaron Donald going to be able to get to him? Is Bob Miller going to be able to do some things up there, right? So that's how I'm seeing it. I know a lot about these two teams because obviously they played in the division with my favorite team. Um. I like I like Kyler against those guys because they're not as quick, even though they're they're you know they're decently well you know pass rushers. I think he's going to create a lot of opportunity sure. with that backfield. I think he's going to find some opportunity to get some big throws in. So that's why I'm kind of leaning a little bit for the Cardinals on this one in the three point game. So, all right. So yeah, my thoughts on that. Like a couple weeks ago, in our we we're on a group chat together, and there's been a lot of like hate all year long on the Cardinals that they're uh-huh. fraud, right? But I texted in our group chat. I was like, I, I don't understand why this narrative is what it is. Like, you look at their roster and their stack, especially offensively. Sure. If you take DeAndre Hopkins out of the equation, I mean, that's a huge loss for them. Um, but you're right. Kyle Murray can make plays. You know, if you got Aaron Donald and uh, Von Miller running down, Kyle Murray can scramble off for 15 100%. That's, that's exactly what he's going to do. I you feel know, like that's how the game will be won for him. But just something – I don't know. I, I just – in this game, I'm going to trust Stafford and McVay to figure it out. And, I, yeah, I think they squeak one out. I think it's going to be really, really close, but I think they squeak uh, He's, he's got – to be fair to Stafford, he's got the biggest weapon in the NFL. He's got Cooper Cup. That's – And Odell. And Odell. Yeah. But, I mean, Cooper Cup is out of this world, man. Dude has how many yards after contact this year? I mean, he's, he's, he's unstoppable. I mean, damn near. He's just like Debo for the Niners. I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the best that I've seen out there. He's, he was the difference in Sunday's game for the I don't Rams. think you're giving Debo enough credit. No, man. Dude, <laughs> listen, Super man. Cup wouldn't be able to line up in the backfield and <laughs> throw passes. And listen, stuff. dude. Debo, is a, he's, he's, a, he's a mythical creature. <laughs> but in terms of straight up catching the ball and, and getting open mm-hmm. and, and routes and things like that, right, I think Cooper Cup's just straight up the best wide receiver in terms of that. Debo is just he's, – he's just like he can do it all, man. He can do it all, and he can do it all at an excellent level. But uh, it sounds like you two are going Rams. I'm going cards. I think that's going to be another good Monday night game. Like you said, it's going to be a lot – it could be a lot of mistakes. It could be ugly. 
But uh, that'll still be fun to see, I guess, right? Yeah, and, and honestly, like Stafford, talk about hunger. He's probably the hungriest quarterback in, in the NFL to get a playoff win, you know, after coming from Detroit, all those lost yeah. years there. Like, I think he'll be hungry, and McVay's hungry to prove himself, you know? So, it's going to be – there's gonna it's going to get a little rough, man. It's going to be a little – It's there's going to be some hands thrown. I feel you got to like, like the division playoff. I love it, man. I love it. Love it. You know, love it's going it. to be hard hitting. Hopefully the refs <laughs> don't ruin it, you know? Yeah, keep but, the flags in the pockets, boys. <laughs> but, I mean, you can already see it right now. We're going to be – yeah, we'll, we'll all get home from work. We'll all get dinner. We're kind of relaxing, having our drink of choice, whatever. And we have the game on, and it's 45 minutes before the game, and they're just going to have this emotional, <laughs> like, feature of Matthew Stafford. You know, the guy – like, he like he overcame, like, some severe sickness or something. Like, no, he's just on a really bad team, but they're going to make him seem like he's got this redemption story. Like, you can already see that. He's made $150 million uh, – career earnings yeah. so life isn't too bad for Matt Stafford but he's got to win a playoff game so all right well uh we're gonna take another quick break break because we're about you know 30 minutes into this segment here uh, when we get back we'll talk Niners Cowboys and uh, we'll get into our beefs so be with us right after this all right so final game that we are going to talk about today it has probably been the most talked about game in all, you know, sports center, whatever, right? Whatever you want to call it. Um, and the underdog Niners is, are probably not even considered an underdog anymore after some of the takes I've been seeing. But uh, the under, the Niners are going to Dallas. They're a three-point dog, which in football is nothing. Um, this is probably the closest game of anything on the slate. Um, ben, let me get your thoughts, man. What are we thinking? Oh, boy. I mean – I'm very excited. I was I, I was texting you guys in the group in our group chat. Um, I thought this was going to be the Monday night game, and I thought it would be maybe the highest rated wild card game ever. I think it still can. It's going to be. It's two just historic franchises, two very big fan bases that aren't just in Texas and California. They're all over. The, they're right here in Aurora. Oh yeah, yeah, baby, yeah. let's go. So um, <laughs> it's going to be a great game. I'm hoping uh, Nance is out of. COVID protocols because mm-hmm. this is a, hopefully a Nance Romo game. Even though Romo's probably gonna, I think Romo <laughs> secretly hopes the uh, Cowboys lose in the playoffs because I think he always feels bad that he botched that snap. Interesting. Know, but that's neither here nor there. But Mario, I, I got to give you credit because it wasn't my thought; it was yours. But Trent Williams, he's got to play, and I think as long as he's healthy enough, where it's not putting him in danger for serious more se- serious injury. I think he'll go. Um, it's it's just we got to see is Jimmy G going to be healthy enough? He did enough against the Rams. I think the Cowboys have probably a little bit better defense than the Rams. But if if Jimmy G can do a can play well, and the 49ers D can have a couple turnovers and have a couple things go their way, I think they'll have a chance. I think it's a perfect game at three. But yeah, ultimately, I would say. It's really gonna just come down to <laughs> I, that's the way it is. How man. can can the forty <laughs> can Jimmy Garoppolo do enough, and if can Trent Williams play, if they can do those two things, I have enough faith in Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel to uh, to have a good game plan and to give the 49ers a chance to win. All right, so just some key components to this game, right? Like you mentioned, okay. So let's talk injuries really quick. Trent Williams is out; didn't practice today. Oh, um, Aziz Alshir, who wasn't didn't play last, he's a linebacker. He's been, you know, oh. got into this team in my eyes. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He was limited 
Uh, Drew Greenlaw, who had a great game Saturday, uh, Sunday, uh, had a couple fouls that shouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was limited today too. He's he's has a groin injury. So uh, if those two guys come back, that'd be great for our defense. Now, Trent Williams, man, he's the best yeah. pass rush blocker in the in, in the league. Is not even close. Um, him, and Michael Parsons, he'll he'll give him a tough day. Sure. And 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 I think that if he's not playing, Parsons is going to have a fun fun day, man. Yeah, I mean it's it's a big thing. I mean I. I wouldn't – I mean, that's good info on the practice. I think at this point in the season, I wouldn't worry too much. Like, I think if they go even limited on Friday, I think they'll play in the game. I think it's just treatment, getting your body ready. There's not much improvement you can do. It's pretty much all the practice is game-based, game plan-based. So, it's uh, it's going to be a battle. But, yeah, if, the, if Williams can play and give Garoppolo time. But if he doesn't, if he's out – That's tough, man. It becomes an interesting chess match because – like you said, maybe instead of if you know you can't block Micah Parsons, what can you do? You can read him, right? Yeah. So you just don't block him and you make him wrong. So it'd be some stuff. So I, I almost wonder if you can if they do that, we might see some Trey Lance in this game. Oh, dude, and, we'll see some Trey Lance definitely in the red zone, if, so. if, especially if Trent Williams isn't playing. Yeah. Um, I think that's what you're gonna have to do, right? You're gonna have to misdirect Michael Ray or anybody, any of those linebackers are all pretty good. So you're gonna have to do a lot of you know redirecting. I've seen I've seen some highlights and some clips on him. He's really He's still a rookie, man. Mm-hmm. It's, he's still reading some of these some of these plays, and even against the Cardinals, I, I saw him, you know, going back and forth a lot on his feet, stumbling around. He's a big, quick guy. He's like, like you mentioned earlier, he's like a unicorn. Mm-hmm. Like, how the hell is this guy so big yet he's moving faster than some wide receivers? It seems at times. I mean, he's 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 unbelievable. Uh, so we just gotta we gotta figure out a way to fool him. We gotta figure out a way to make sure he's not a component in the game for Dallas. Um, if you take him out of the game and you kind of make your own plays, man, I mean. Niners have been seven and two in their last night. They lost to the Seahawks. They lost to the Titans in a game they should have won. Um, so they're they're coming in hot. They're coming in ready to go. Their playoffs started two weeks ago. Dallas has been kind of shaky, right? And in division, they were six and zero. Oh. They beat everybody, you know, in in the uh, NFC East. Outside, I believe they're six and five. Every single loss coming out um, in terms of winning teams, they, they're thinking three and four, something like that. So. They're one of those teams that they kind of remind me. I know throwing another Sox thing in there, right? Kind of remind me of the White Sox a little bit, right? You beat up on your division, you get those wins. But when you play good teams, you struggle a bit. And you got all the talent in the world mm-hmm. at the same time. Kind of reminds me of the Dallas Cowboys a little bit. And I feel like the Niners had that experience. They went to a Super Bowl two years ago. They had the literally the exact same team, besides, you know, a few key players like Emmanuel Sanders, for example, is not on the team anymore or whatever. Um, but it's basically the same team. So. It's going to be tough, man. It's going to be a great game. I think it's definitely going to be to the last play kind of game. Um, so, I mean, I, I know I'm, I'm biased. I hope the Niners win. I, I'm expecting them to win. The team that usually plays with, with, you know, the least amount of pressure usually comes out on top in these situations. So, I mean, my heart's pumping thinking about it. I'm ready to go right now. Uh, what do we got? What do we got between you two guys here? Yeah, just a couple things I was going to say, and you kind of already hit on this a little bit, but, like, I mean, the 49ers are hot, right? Um, it's, uh, I mean, they, they beat the Bengals and Rams down the stretch there. The only team that they lost to was the Titans, and the Titans ended up getting the number one seed in the AFC, right? So that's not a bad loss at all. And they lost in the last play, by the way. Yep. So, yeah, it was an incredible game, too. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the Niners, they're, they're ranked third in NFL in okay. NFL total defense this year, right? So obviously the, the strong suit of the Cowboys 
defense is good, but the offense, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Dak Prescott, you've got all those wide receivers, playmakers. You got Zeke Elliott, who's on a knee brace, by the way. Forgot to mention, he's got a knee brace on, so he's still he's still kind of he's not a hundred percent from what I can tell, but could be a factor there. Right. So I mean, you look at the the Niners, third ranked defense in the NFL. So you know, does it kind of balance out their strong offense for a really mm-hmm. strong defense? And then it comes down to the can the 49ers offense execute? You know, they they showed that they can with Debo, and you got George Kittle, uh, Jimmy G. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a great great game. Everything you guys already touched on, like I'm basically just not going. It's gonna be a great game. Sure. Um, man, gut instinct. I really don't know where to go. With, right? Like I truly <laughs> do not know where to go with it's, this. It's it's like, literally I, tough, man. It's tough. If I had to give a prediction, it's like three people sitting in a room that played sports, like. The power, like the power of momentum, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, it's not quantifiable, but it's there, you know. So I'm going to take the 49ers, um, getting that huge win on the road against the Rams, coming in hot, coming in hungry. I'm going to take the 49ers here. I'll take the 49ers. I think. Shit. His bank, <laughs> I I think they win by one, two, or three points, no more. But I think they do it. So. I'm used to these close games now. So you telling me that does not scare me or <laughs> any more than yeah, I'm already no, I'm, I'm nervous, it, yeah. man. I, I wouldn't call I wouldn't say I'm scared because a minute and a half into the fourth quarter of that game, I thought our season was over. Mm-hmm. They had a point zero four percent chance of Jimmy Garoppolo driving down that field with a partially torn thumb ligament, and he did it. So mm-hmm. at this point, we're playing with nothing to lose, I guess you could say, in terms of oh. what the Cowboys are playing for. So we got they have all the pressure on their side. As a Niners fan, I have obviously pressure because I want my team to win. I love the Niners almost as much as I love the White Sox. Like it's it's a passion, it's in my blood, right? So I love it. I think that the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, you know, talking, you know, all this stuff about his team or whatever, right? It, it, there's a lot of pressure over there, man. There is. And when you're when you're against a team with that pressure, they they usually crumble about and the pass rush, man. I think that's where it's gonna be won. If the Niners can apply pressure, Dak. You got mm-hmm. Nick Bosa, you got Eric Armstead, those two guys coming at the corners, man, and and giving him little time to get to his his receivers who are very good. Ceedee Lamb, Amari Cooper. You got some. This is a game where top to bottom, both teams have stars. Yeah. That's why it's so fascinating to me. You have all the stars in this game, uh, like roster wise, like on paper. This game is this game is it, man, for me. Um, I I I. I do think the Niners are going to win. Um, I think that it's going to be fought in the trenches in, in the run game. The Niners can make some run like what they usually do. They get past Parsons in that in that rush. Uh, Garoppolo throws a few throws over here and there. He's got to limit the turnovers. These silly throws downfield. I mean, he's he can't do them. It, it just can't happen. Um, that's something I'll be looking for. Uh, you, know, you guys will see my frustrations this Sunday when it does uh-huh. inevitably happen because we know it's going to happen. There will be a, there will be a pick in this game. It's how do we overcome it? How often is our defense on the field? Because, I mean, they're – if you guys have seen Niners games, they're probably the most, you know, aggressive, like like George Kittle said, body bags, right? <laughs> In terms of, like, mashing with another team, they're they're aggressive, man. And they make you play their style of football, which I really like. So, I'm going Niners. I'm going Niners maybe, you know, a, a possession, right? We're calling it that. I think – yeah, I think – I think the farthest this game can go is the Cowboys by a touchdown. I don't think I I'd be stunned if this game is farther than that. I think 49ers by seven, Cowboys by seven, 100%. anywhere in between. I don't think I think it'd be I'd be stunned if this game is comes to have more than an eight point a multiple possession game basically. The one thing I noticed about the Cowboys in general, right, 
it's like it's Dak's presence in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I've looked back at some of their scores and like in some of their logs, it's like what happens? Dak just becomes like he, he like turns it up a notch. Yeah. And he'll like if he's down by two scores, he's gonna get a touchdown. Like you already know what's coming. Like you could just you can just stamp it right there. He's getting some points for his team. Sure. So I mean, if you wanna if you wanna win this game on the road, you gotta be up. You gotta be up in the fourth quarter because you already know Dak's gonna pour some points on you. So yeah, and something you talked about a little bit earlier is like the pressure that kind of comes with the, the Cowboys organization. Like it seems like they're an organization with Jerry Jones there and, and Mike McCarthy. It just kind of seems like they're an organization that just everywhere they go, there's kind of like a dark cloud that hovers around. <laughs> you know, like it does yeah. seem like they're always – it's so tense. You know, it's so mm-hmm. – and I think it's, it's like I said, it's Jerry Jones' presence. And you kind of bring in a, a character in Mike McCarthy who – he doesn't bring sunshine and rainbows, you know. <laughs> he kind of brings a dark cloud with them yeah. too. And like you said, teams crack under pressure, you know. And it seems like they've done that each and every year they get into the playoffs. So, well, and and that and the thing is, I mean, look at the it's just the margin for error in the NFL is just so slim, right? Because it pretty much came down to the the Cowboys at home lost to the Broncos and the Raiders, and had they not allowed that to happen. They'd be the one seed. They'd be chilling at home, and maybe they're talking about, uh, you know, the Packers and the Eagles, and the Bucks are playing the Niners, the Niners or whatever, then, right? Yeah. And then obviously the Cardinals are playing the Rams in the four or five, whatever, whatever, whatever. But yeah, I mean, it's you talk about the pressure, right? Because I think a lot of Cowboys fans are still saying that they should be a way higher seed than they are, and and it's, I mean, it's tough, right? Even if the 49ers, if the Cowboys are able to beat the 49ers, they're going to play in a physical game, like Mario said, and then they got to go around and go to a cold Lambeau field mm. and play a, a Green Bay team that has a has a week off. So it's yeah, it's going to be a tough stretch here for the Cowboys, who no matter what happens, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender, but I think they're going to feel like no matter what happens, unless they do win the Super Bowl, it'll be like a kind of lot of what ifs, just because, like you said, like Mike McCarthy. It's not, I think he does a better job of staying out of the way, but still, like losing to the Broncos at home as exactly. ten point favorites, and <clears throat> pretty much giving that Raiders team. I mean, I thought. I mean, a lot of people left that Raiders team for dead, and I think when they won on Thanksgiving, that was kind of a momentum shift for them. So, yeah, it should be good. They're an up and down team. That's my biggest. As like, if I were a Cowboy fan looking for the optics from not being a fan of either team here, mm-hmm. they're too up and down for me. To win a to win a to win a to, to win a Super Bowl, right? Like I feel like that's the biggest issue with them. So I'm excited, guys. I'm excited. You'll, I mean, you guys already said you'll be here. Um, you guys might not want to see me after, depending on how it goes. But no. I mean, it's it's tough. I mean, you guys know how it felt the the double doink game. How long did it take for you guys to get over that? I mean, you probably are still not over it for crying out loud. So, yeah. I mean, it, it hurts to lose in the NFL playoffs, man. You get one, you get one game at a time. Yeah, it, I mean. <laughs> Talking double doink, that double doink doesn't happen. Nagy and Pace might still be in Hallis Hall. Right, yeah. yeah it's the, like you I said, know. the margin for error, just a few. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, it's, I enjoy being with sports fans who have something to get excited for. Um, you know, the, I don't, you're the, one of the biggest White Sox fans I know, and that was fun. We, oh, that, that was, was the one alone win they had. <laughs> and I mean, hey, if the, if the 49ers win on Sunday, but then they lose to the Packers, like, Listen, I, yeah, I, man. This will be well worth it. Listen, so. man. You go to you play you play Green Bay and Green Bay. You lose to Green Bay. They almost beat them back in back uh, over the the regular season there. So I mean, that, that's that's the thing, right? You kind of go in. We barely made it. 
we should be thankful we're in. Now we just got to compete, play our football, our physical, hard-playing football the way they do. They're not like finesse or like the Bucks, for example, right? They're like, hey, we're going to go on there. We're going to we're gonna kick your ass. You're going to kick ours. We're going to have some bruises at the end of the day, and that's just the way it's going to be. So, yeah, man, I'm excited for this game. You'll see me on my couch at 3 p.m. on Sunday. So, uh, yeah. Anything else, guys? Well, yeah, I guess I, I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on this. I think what makes the Cowboys 49ers so enticing, aside from, right, just two teams that are kind of legend, like historic franchises, one's hot, Cowboys kind of inconsistent, right? They always have that kind of cloud, like Ryan said, over them. You guys mentioned you like divisional playoff games. So we get Rams-Cardinals, Bills-Patriots. I, I agree with that. But I think what makes the 49ers-Cowboys – really interesting is it's the one game we haven't seen yet right so we've already seen the Raiders and Bengals play we've already seen the Eagles and Tampa Bay play on that Thursday night what does that do for you I think with the NFL having more games and the playoffs expanding I think it's just going to be more and more common that we get rematches in this first round but what 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 do you guys think about that because I I like that that's what I really probably one of the top three reasons I'm most excited is I haven't these teams haven't seen each other so you get something you haven't seen before and again, if there's that division part of it, yeah, that's because they're you know heated rivals. It's going to be a slugfest. You can live with that. But I like, I've already seen the Bengals and Raiders play, and it wasn't that good of a game. Same with <laughs> the same with the Buccaneers and Eagles. It really wasn't that good. Um, and then obviously the division opponents, you can make that exception. But what do you guys think? I mean, I'll go first on that because it's funny you mentioned them. I actually just got through watching because the Cardinals play similar style to, to the Niners, which is why they play them so well, I, which is what I think. right? The, the Cardinals swept the Niners this year. I was watching those highlights today between them and the Cowboys because I wanted, I wanted to see. I was like, hey, let me see how they how they operate, how they go about you know making plays on defense, how, how they go about making stops against the run, this and that and the other eight. I mean, I don't know what to expect with the Cowboys, man. I really don't. And that, as a fan watching that, like I know how the Rams play, I know how the Cardinals play. Like I don't, I don't know what what are the Cowboys going to throw at us, right? Is he going to be healthy enough to run? Uh, you know, is Dak going to get time, or is or is, is his offensive line going to hold hold against our our boys like Bosa and Armstead, right? Are they going to be able to take that out? Um, I'm interested to see it, man. Um, all year long, you know, all year long, Bosa and Armstead have been able to break through and, and, and get you know five six sacks a game for crying out with the other guys up front there too. Are they going to be able to do that? And against, I believe, who they got? Zach Martin. Is he on defense or offense? I can't remember. I know. Oh uh, yeah, Zach Martin, the guard. Yeah. I don't so know he's on offense, right? Yeah. So he's up front. They're going to have to get. They're going to have mm-hmm. to get past him, right? That guy. That's a big name. I I remember hearing about it earlier. I heard he's you know he's one of the best in town about it, right? So I'm interested, man. This that that line in the trenches right there in the middle up front on that line. That's where the game will be won for sure. As it's like a cliche, but in the, in terms of this, right? If we if if we give Dak time. Then that's it. You no, know, if he gets time to get his receivers wide open in the end zone, you know, CD Lamb and Amari Cooper, man, those guys will tear us up. So, I mean, I, I'm I'm nervous. I don't know what to expect. So that definitely entices my experience for sure. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a great question you posed, and I had kind of had a little like marinate in my brain for a little bit. <laughs> kind of think about that, like, but it, it like that's what makes bowl season so good. In yes, football, mm-hmm. right? good point. Yeah. I like that. Um, and, like, this isn't a great example of it, but I went to NIU, right? So their bowl game was against Coastal Carolina. Mm-hmm. They had no idea. They never played each other. You know, they don't yeah. know anything about each other. So that's what made that game really exciting yeah. to watch, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that was a great point, you know? 
obviously we get those division games, but they know everything about each other. Mm -hmm. Whereas Niners, Cowboys, it's going to be, it's going to be a little different. The unknown is there. So that just makes why this game is more of a marquee game. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, I completely agree with that. They haven't played each other in the playoffs since um, the Steve Young days, I believe, or 94 or whatever that was. So that might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure since the catch, they had the catch, right? Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, so think about all those players that, um, I haven't even been born, even born when that happened. And now, they're back here. And now most of those guys are, you know, Troy Aikman and and Michael Irvin on NFL mm-hmm. game day. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and even though, you know, we avoid all that, but we still get, you still have to hear Romo. <laughs> I, I, I like Romo. I just, That's it's just thing, like man. so like, predictable. Dude, do you think he's lost his touch a little bit? He was yeah, good before. He, he would call a play before it happened. Lost. Like he came in so popular at the very mm-hmm. beginning. I think yeah. that he's kind of like, maybe like overthinking things a little bit or he's trying to be too cute sometimes. Yeah. I think he's kind of lost his touch. He, no, I agree. I think the big thing is, I, and I, there's no confirm, there's no confirmation of this, but it's, it sounds like it's what happened is CBS told him he couldn't like predict the plays anymore. Cause like they said, like just stop doing that. And I think that's what his thing was. Cause he was, was, he, like, getting, was just, he getting wrong? I know. And he wasn't getting it wrong. He was. Getting it right, like he was? <laughs> I've always said, and I mean, it's not his fault, but, the Chiefs, the year the the last year the Patriots won won the Super Bowl, um, they played the Chiefs in the title game, and on those final couple drives in the AFC title game, and the the final couple drives, Romo was calling out everything the Patriots were going to do, and they were executing it. And I think that like led to the firing of Bob Sutton, the defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Like if this guy who's not even <laughs> in the facility can just say, if, if this guy goes here, they're going to run it to the left. If not, they're going to throw it to Gronk, and he's just like so. I don't know why they don't. I think, I mean, is, would it be annoying if he did it on every play? But he doesn't because he doesn't no, always yeah. know. But I think that's what's awesome is Romo, wherever like he that. lives, he lock, locks himself in a room, watches a ton of tape, and then he's got these – I think it's good. Like, it, it made me smarter. I like that, man. I thought it was awesome. Committed to his yeah. job. That's crazy. awesome, man. You'd be like, Jim, watch right here. They're going to call right here. And then the next play is like, oh, shit. <laughs> And so I wonder, because again, like the guy isn't a broad, he's a good broadcaster, but he didn't go to school for anything. So like once they're like, no, don't do that. So he's like, he's probably re- trying to reinvent himself. Mm-hmm. So like his default is just to like be goofy. And yeah, and sometimes you're like, well, what, what the hell are you doing? Don't you just chill out? Yeah. I mean, it'll also be on a Nickelodeon. So like at the slime zone ready. Oh, well, also there's going to be two Nickelodeon games. I believe so. And the, yeah. I don't know. Uh, everyone's going to, are they going to slime Bill Belichick? <laughs> Come on, that alone should make you want the Patriots to win. They slime Bill Belichick. The frozen slime, right? Because of the true. cold, freezing temperatures. Did the slime freeze? Is it? Oh. Hey, you know who the uh, the reigning MVP is? True, <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. Oh God, for so, the slime yeah. zone is that is that why why, why yeah. is he the MVP? MVP? Was he voted? Is that like a fan vote thing? <laughs> well, if, uh, I don't want this to happen, but God forbid, what if someone happens to Josh Allen? Trubisky's got to go in there. He went back to back MVP. Oh man, oh, that would be nuts. Hey, good for him, though. You can put that on his football reference uh, page. Uh, good old Mitch. All right. Uh, that was some good playoff talk, guys. About an hour, man. A solid hour of just NFL playoffs, yeah. man. Like, it was it, it was great. Um, and then, you know, the firings and all that stuff, too. So, um, with that being said, we'll get into our closing segment. We got about nine minutes here for this half hour. Uh, our beefs, man. Uh, our beefs. You, the guest goes first, right? Oh, do I? All right. All right. I'll have to. Get mad here for a second. I'm having so much fun that it might be difficult. But all right, yeah, let's do it. Let's wrap it up. All right. So, uh, how about Ben? Let, let's 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 see what you got, man. What do you got for us? All right. So, 
I had a, I've had a couple things I want to go through, but um, and we've already talked about it a little bit, but I think it's worth my beef of the week, just the specific action. So my beef is with George McCaskey. So I'll I'll I'm sympathize with him a little bit. It's difficult for a person to have to stand up there with all these reporters grilling you because you you failed. So I understand that that's difficult. Like I wouldn't want to be up there. Like that's hard to do. But a reporter, and I believe it was actually David Haw, gave him probably the easiest question of any postseason interview, maybe ever. And he still botched it. So David Haw goes, will it be a requisite? Will it be a prerequisite for the next head coach or general manager to have faith that Justin Fields is the quarterback of the future? And so common sense would say yes, because one, how does that make Fields feel that you don't say that? And two, he is. That has to be. Because if not, then we're going to be right back where we are in four years because Fields is going to go somewhere else and we're going to have to develop it. So you're going to waste pretty much all the seasons. And McCaskey goes, well, I mean, we'll ask them that. But no, that's not our preview. Yes, it is. It absolutely is. So I just, like, I get it. You're getting bashed. You're getting bashed. But this is like a deep breath. Like, that's the easiest question anyone asked. And it was a good question. I'm not saying it was a bad question. But of course that should be a prerequisite. And if it's not, like, I, I always say this. I talk about, like, oh, I'm done being so-and-so fan. But if, if they hire a head coach or GM that doesn't have faith in Justin Fields, it would probably be the most tested my fandom of any Chicago sports team will ever get. Because that's just stupid. There's no excuse for that. So that's my beef of the week. Well put. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that leads right into my beef of the week. My beef of the week is it's just it's the Bears organization as a whole. Right? So it's not the easy targets would be Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace, but uh, they came in here, they did their absolute best that they could. Didn't work out, right? So you look at the organization. Going back to the presser, like George McCaskey, he embarrassed the Bears organization to the presser. You know, everything you just said about the Fields comment, he comes out and he takes shots at Owen Krutz, who Owen Krutz is a a huge media personality yeah. now. He's an all-time Bear great, future Hall of Famer, and he comes out, calls him a liar, all these different things. So you got that. It, it's just... The way that the McCaskies go about running the organization, it's just not its not sound. It's not how you want your organization to be run. And things just have to change. Mm-hmm. Things have to change. Um, hopefully they get the new hires right. But just the whole Bears as, as in the organization right now is my beef of the week. It's just year after year, it's letdown after letdown. So they got to figure it out at one point, man. So that's my beef of the week. I feel for you guys. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. Stop. Stop being a being a beer center now. It's it's oh, it's every it's yeah, it's the hardest. And then you guys are cult fans too, so you know you know what make you feel good though? Correa <laughs> ten year three hundred and fifty million dollar deal, right? That would make me happy. That's the thing is though, I mean you say, Oh, and you're the Cubs, but in our lifetimes the Cubs have been much better than the Bears. <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> Not much better. Yeah. yeah. Three three uh, NLCS's appearances in a row. And a championship. And a World well, Series I mean, title. Yeah. Before they, you go back to 07, 08, they still they got swept. They still made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they got swept by Arizona one team. They got swept by Arizona one year. And then the Dodgers. And then the Dodgers in the next rate. So. so, I mean, yeah, they've been way more successful than the Bears. Not to mention the Marlins, the, the good old uh, Steve Bartman situation. <laughs> we don't talk about that, we don't though. Talk about that. All right. I'll, I'll, never, <laughs> I'll never forget the. 
I was at I was in fifth grade when they played the uh, Dodgers, and Mark DeRosa hit a two-run homer. And so that meant I got in the car, and my dad said the Cubs were winning. But by the time we got back home, they were losing. And they didn't. So I, I was at football practice as a fifth grader. The five, you know, the 30 minutes the Cubs were actually winning a playoff game, and then they obviously got swept by Arizona. It's like oh, uh, all times. worth it for 16. Good times, man. No, and actually, if you really think about it, the Bears in the city of Chicago, they have been the worst franchise yeah. in the city. Mm-hmm. They've been the least successful franchise. And if you think about it that way, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on I mean how, on how you measure it. Yeah, the Bulls haven't gotten to a championship. Even if you go back to 85. They've been more. Oh, well, sure, yeah. Go back to 85. by that measurement, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I still, I would say the Bears are still probably the least, you know, mm-hmm. prolific or whatever you want to say, right? So, uh, yeah, man, as we got three minutes left here, I'll say my beef. Um, with two, two, two sports organizations here, right? Give the people what we want, right? Give us a Neil game. Neil, <laughs> Neil for crying out loud. Give give the, the, the people who bet the tie a great betting night. Where it was there. You right at least or let the clock run out. Call it a game. But just give us yeah. what we wanted. We all wanted it, man. They did. And you, it was reflected in the betting markets. Um <laughs> Jake Smith, who's a friend of the podcast, he's yeah. he got he got he bet on the tie at twenty five to one, and I think by the time it was kickoff, it was only like sixteen or seventeen. Jeez. So it's like, how often does the entire? That's why I think, and that's and we'll never know this, but obviously the NFL is in bed with these betting. Yeah, they probably like, hey, we're going to lose a ton but, of money. Don't do it. If you know, if we do this, we're on the hook for eight <laughs> or nine <laughs> figures. Yeah, yeah. So, Jeez. Yeah, man. I mean, I would have I would have just bet it, and then as the odds, you know, we're more in your favor. Cash out, man. Cash but, out at but, overtime. And, boom. And the thing is. The Chargers and Raiders, now I get it. Like, in my heart of hearts, I understand. Like, they weren't going to just kneel and run the clock out. But they had the plausible deniability they had. Like, they could have done it. We're not going to put the ball in play here and we're just going to get out of here. Like, it it was there, but Rich Passaccia, I guess he just realizes he's only going to be head coach for years. Give the people what you want. He wants to get the wins. Give the people what you want. But we all all wanted it, man. It's a bummer. But uh, nevertheless, one minute to go here, Ben. It was a great podcast, yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I was I'm looking forward to this all day. I was you know driving around thinking of some thoughts to have and speak intelligently. But yeah. I'm... Hey, the longest podcast we've had is this one for sure. Yeah. So I mean it was fun, man. Uh Sunday well, can't come soon enough. Or Saturday night, too, if you're looking forward Saturday, to those games. Sunday, yep. Can't come soon enough, man. But uh Ben, much appreciated, man. Hey, thank you guys. Always always a pleasure. I appreciate it. Alrighty, with that being said, Ryan, you got any more thoughts before we close out? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the 12-6 NFL Playoff Edition podcast. We will see you next week, hopefully, with the Niners victory. Let's go.